But strangely, at this moment, I am actually feeling quite relaxed. Hey. Welcome to Working Dial, the show where we talk about books, movies, and everything in between. So, that last episode was a lot bigger than I anticipated. Let's bring it back down with the classic movie review. This episode was supposed to come out last week, but then my body said, bitch, you thought? So... Miracle Valley is the 2021 directorial debut of Greg Sestero of The Room fame. He also stars in the film. I discovered this movie while looking through Tubi for movies to review, finding out later that it was directed by Sestero while reading the comments under a video about the disaster artist. The amount of times I have seen that video has probably gotten me put on a list. That comment actually said the movie was pretty good, with Sestero having a knack for directing. So I was somewhat confused to see an average IMDb score of 6.4. That being said, taking a, eh, taking a quick glance at the reviews, they appear to be mostly positive. So what is the film actually like? Let's find out together. Spoiler warning for Miracle Valley, you should definitely go watch it. I mean, it's on Tubi, what's stopping you? I'm going to talk about the plot in a minute, but I have a couple things I want to say. First of all, if you've seen The Room, then you may get the impression that Greg Sestero is not a very strong actor. But in this, he's really good. I wouldn't say amazing, but my standard for amazing is Tim Curry, so take what I say with a grain of salt. But David, one of our main characters, is an asshole. Like, up until the end, I was rooting for this guy's death. And to... Eh. And Greg Sestero plays it really well. Secondly, I really didn't have a lot to say about this movie. I actually had more to say about The Invitation than I did for this movie. I was basically silent for the whole thing. A part of that, I think, is because I had watched The Invitation almost right after Vampire Diary, so I was constantly comparing how that was a superior movie. But Miracle Valley followed The Invitation, and I would put them on the same level. There is one thing about Miracle Valley that I personally feel is a detriment, and the movie probably would have been better without it, but in the context of the film, they make it work. I'll talk about it a little bit later as it doesn't come up until the mid, until about the midway point. So what is this movie about? We open on a girl who we later find out is named Erica showing up in Miracle Valley late at night for a job interview, which is kind of stupid and the character acknowledges that fact. You realize how stupid this decision was when she gets kidnapped. We cut to our main characters, David, played by Greg Sestero, and his girlfriend, Sarah, played by Angela Mariano. And they're on their way to a ranch in the middle of nowhere, because David was invited by the owner, who had bought his book and invited him to stay so he could get a photo of a rare type of hawk. And he, for whatever reason, goes for it without question. This is also where the first snippet of the tension in David and Sarah's relationship is. When they arrive at the ranch, we meet David's friend, Scott, who is the best character in this movie and did not deserve the fate he got. We also meet Scott's girlfriend Jane, who is a hot witchy girl, which has made me realize I may have a type. Thankfully, Scott has some brain cells and decided to look into the strange ranch in the middle of nowhere. Apparently, there used to be a cult that lived in the valley and was kidnapping kids. They eventually disappeared, and we later find out they were massacred. We also meet Father Jake, played by Rick Edwards, who was a biker that David had pissed off on the ride to the ranch. After giving a very warm welcome to Sarah, he invites them to a sermon, which we find out later that he's the very heavy air quotes pastor. This is one of many things about this movie. I really think that Father Jake was perfectly casted. 
Rick Edwards is very charismatic and honestly a lot of fun, but he makes a very believable cult leader. The next day, Sarah and David, though David is somewhat reluctant, go to the sermon. When they leave, Scott yells, don't drink the Kool-Aid, which I'm aware is a common saying, but do you know where it comes from? The phrase, don't drink the Kool-Aid, is a reference to Jonestown. Jonestown was a town in Guana that was inhabited by a cult led by Jim Jones in the late 70s. I'm going mostly based on memory and what I can find on Wikipedia, but if I remember correctly, after an, investi after an investigation had been conducted, over 900 people died, most of which from cyanide poisoning. For a while, it was declared a mass suicide, however, later evidence showed that a lot of victims were murdered, making it more of a massacre. Jim Jones, the leader, was described as a charismatic churchman who claimed to be psychic and could heal people that were sick. Which kind of makes me wonder if Sestero was in some part inspired by Jonestown. Reading interviews he did for the film, he said he was inspired by 70s horror, and has a really interesting amount of knowledge about classic movies. The man could write a book on the subject, and I would read it. Anyway, they go to the service, and Jake, which is how we'll be referring to him for the remainder of this episode, is giving this speech about figuring out what you want and going for it. Sarah raises her hand and reveals that she had an abortion, and they never really outright say it, but like, David forced her to get one. You can think whatever you want about the topic, but essentially having that decision made for you is just shitty. In my notes, I actually wrote, David sucks, and I added exclamation points every time he did something terrible. By the time the movie ended, there were six. However, a detail that I found interesting, and this is most likely me just overthinking and seeing things that aren't there, but throughout the movie, Sistero shows that there's a lot of tension in David and Sarah's relationship. And when they go to the service, while they do sit next to each other, they're on opposite sides of the aisle, putting a noticeable gap between them. Like I said, I'm probably overanalyzing things, but with how good of an understanding Greg Sestero has about storytelling and making movies, there is always a possibility that I'm onto something. After the service is over, David and Sarah talk to Jake, who says that he saw the hawk that David is looking for, and offers to take them out on his boat to go find it. While on the boat, because of how bright the sun is, because... Except I'm not. Florida! Actually, they're in Arizona, but like, <laughs> that cliff just fits so naturally. Jake gives them some sunscreen, however, he gave the two of them completely different bottles. I actually think the one he gave David didn't even have a label on it. After that, they drop David off at the spot where Jake said he saw the hawk, while he and Sarah just hang out on the boat. During their conversation, Jake reveals that he's a veteran from Vietnam, and he implies that he afterwards was mentored by the original leader of the cult. Well, that was in Miracle Valley, which also most likely means that he was one of the original members. This gets confirmed later when Jake announces that the original members were massacred 30 years ago. His mentor had told him about three rare blood types that apparently can heal anything. See how I was able to draw a connection to Jim Jones? After Sarah finds pictures in David's bag of him and Jane making out, they just leave him there. Drive off in the boat, leaving David in the middle of nowhere. Speaking of David, how's he doing? Well, he has a rash so bad it's causing his skin to blister. He did manage to find and photograph the hawk. Oh, and he's being hunted down by a couple of guys, so you know. There's that. Meanwhile, Jake is showing Sarah that the blood wasn't a hoax. He pours a little on a cut on his hand and it heals instantly. He also reveals that Sarah has one of the three rare blood types. 
Now, this is the thing that I brought up earlier that I think the film would have been better without. Them showing that the whole blood type thing isn't bullshit, it introduces this borderline supernatural element. Something that this movie was doing really well was the horror that came from the reality of it. Cults are a real thing, and if caught at the right moment, they could suck you in. That's one of the most terrifying things about cults, is they prey on vulnerable people. It's kind of like being in a toxic relationship. A lot of times it starts with them offering a community. It's welcoming. But over time, things get darker, and it can be hard to get out of those situations. They cut you off from your family, friends, any support system you may have had. They convince you that you need them, or they'll do something if you leave. The Manson family, a notorious cult from the 60s and 70s, was unique in that Charles Manson used drugs to keep his members committed. When you look at it like that, it adds a new level of horror to cult films. Something that could have worked was introduce the blood types, but don't reveal whether or not it's true until the end. Because now you're leaving the audience with this question of, is this a real thing or are they just crazy? Then at the end, you can answer that question. You could honestly go either way, but me personally, I would have had the answer be no, because it adds to the tragedy of the deaths. They're killing people for the belief that something, they're killing people in the belief that in something that doesn't even work. Anyway, we cut back to the house where Scott and Jane are having a party when these two creepy girls who give off twins from the Shining vibes that were at the service earlier show up with other cult members. Over the course of the party, Scott starts getting the same rash as David because of something that was put into the wine. This leads to Jake killing Scott, which I said at the beginning and I'll say it again, he did not deserve to die. By some miracle, Valley, sorry, I had to, <laughs> but by some miracle, David makes it back and witnesses this. Afterwards, they tie up Jane for Sarah to kill as a sort of initiation. However, she chickens out and someone else kills her. I'm probably skipping through a lot, but because if I'm being honest, no matter how many notes I write, everything but major plot points just leaves my head after I finish a movie, which is why the live reactions were so helpful, but I didn't have any reactions for this one. But something happens, I forget which comes first, but David finds Erica, the girl at the beginning, and lets her go, which leads to her killing one of the creepy shining twins. I don't know if they were actually twins, but like, creepy shining twins. Regardless, one of them's dead, and Erica cuts off her arm. Did I forget to mention that this movie is bloody? Well, yes ma'am, boss lady. Oops. <laughs> My bad. Anyway, Sarah, after being left alone in the lab, starts snooping through the local scientist computer and realizes that they've been stalking her. So, you know, that's fun. I don't know why, but this was the first clip that popped in my head. It says, don't worry, they'll toast in the oven. We're not concerned about the almonds! But so David is trying to save Sarah, Erica is off doing her own thing, and Jake has now hulked out. Some, sometime throughout this, Jake finds out that Sarah found the folder and ties her up. David finally finds her, but gets caught by Jake before he can untie her. This actually was kind of the moment where my opinion started to shift on David, because he very well could have just left and never looked back. But he didn't. He fought and almost died to try and save Sarah. However, David gets beaten to death with his own camera by Jake. After Erica finds David and grabs his camera, she saves Sarah. Again, I forget which one comes first, but Erica and Sarah stab Jake with a cross. Guess you could say they crucified him, eh? Right. No! 
Alright, bad pun. But after that, they run away. Erica tells Sarah that David is dead. Because Erica grabbed David's camera, they sell the photo he took of the hawk and use the money to open a treatment center where they can use their blood to heal people. We then get some sequel bait and the movie ends. Like I said, this is a really good movie. And honestly, despite my opinion about the blood types thing, that's just it. My opinion. You may feel differently and that's great. Like I said before, you should go watch this movie because Greg Sestero is a really good writer and director. And who knows, maybe I'll cover more of his movies. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to suggest episodes, get updates on episodes, or you just want to chat, you can follow me on Twitter at AshleyMarieWT, or you can email me at AshleyMarieWT at Gmail. Also, check out my Tumblr, AshleyMarieWT, because I've been doing a lot of polls on there. Until next time, peace out. On to the next one, bitches! <laughs>